and welcome to the Destiny Church Podcast. We trust that this will be a great encouragement to you and build your faith. Enjoy today's message. Hey, let's, let's jump into this word. Um, you know, in, in 2022, we are um, emphasizing the kingdom of heaven. Our theme is Kingdom Co., short for Kingdom Company. We're a company of kingdom people. More than ever before, we're committing ourselves, submitting ourselves to the lordship of Jesus, right? Jesus is our friend, but also Jesus is the king of kings, right? The prince of peace. Uh, more than ever before, with greater understanding, with a deeper conviction, um, a more consistent commitment, a deeper devotion. We're giving ourselves away to the Lordship of Jesus. You know, Jesus is King. It's not some cute phrase that, uh, you know, Kanye West puts on bright blue sweatshirts and gold letters. It's, it's really how we feel, right? It's, it's, it's the declaration for what guides, dictates, and establishes the way that we live our lives. Who's your King? Jesus is my King. He's the Lord. I, I submit to him and it affects every aspect of my life. We, we don't want the world, or, or, or we don't only want the world to know we're citizens of heaven and we're a part of the kingdom of heaven, but we want to invite them to take part in this kingdom themselves, right? So we just feel so convicted here at Destiny Church. We're convicted and we're convinced that it's imperative for the lordship of Jesus to be established, not only in the church, but in the series we've titled Royals, for his lordship to be established in our homes. It has to start in our homes. So we, we kicked off the series and, you know, we, we visited that passage in Joshua where he says, choose today whom you'll serve. As for me and my house, we're gonna serve the Lord. And we're asking uh, that the people of Destiny Church make the same declaration themselves. So last week we, we talked about honoring the Sabbath. Have y'all forgot about last week already? Did anybody implement a Sabbath when normally you wouldn't? One person, praise God. We're grabbing hold of it. Come on, did last week impact you? Did it challenge you? Did it force you to think and reflect? Okay, I hope so. You know, for me, for me, and, and this happens sometimes, but putting that message together was convicting for me all week because I know that had been something that I was neglecting. So I pray you left Sunday, had some conversations, implemented some real change and, uh, you know, I, I really believe as you do, the Lord will bless it. He'll honor it. Uh, not only you, but your families too. So, hey, let's look at our key scripture for today. I'll read this key scripture, then I'll pray and we'll jump into the word. Turn with me to Matthew 18. I want to read a parable here. Matthew 18, verse 21 through 35. We drop right into a conversation. Peter, one of Jesus' disciples, is having with Jesus. And it starts with this, verse 21. Then Peter came to him and asked, Lord, how often should I forgive someone who sins against me? Seven times? So for a little bit of context here, Jewish tradition would recommend that you forgive somebody three times. They base this off some scriptures that we see in Amos from the Old Testament. But so Peter's being generous and saying, hey, I, I, I want to be gracious. I want to be loving. I want to be compassionate seven times and, and throws out a, a larger number than that typical three. But I think that even himself is probably surprised by the way that Jesus responds. Jesus says, no, not seven times but 70 times seven. Now that number seven is symbolic of completion. So really what Jesus is saying, no, an unlimited amount. 
it, it just often. It's like, wow, okay. Verse 23, therefore, the kingdom of heaven can be compared to a king who decided to bring his accounts up to date with his servants who had borrowed money from him. Verse 24, in the process, one of his debtors was brought in who owed him millions of dollars. Now, what's interesting, in, in some translations, you'll see 15 talents. And 15 was the largest Roman numeral that they had, and talents was the largest measurement that they had for money. So in the parable, when, when Jesus is using this amount of money, in my NLT, it says millions, but in the original text, this was the largest amount of money that they could put words to. That's how much this guy was in debt. That's how much he owed. He'd never be able to pay it back, even if he worked his entire life. One talent is equivalent to 15 years salary, okay? It's a crazy amount of money. Now, in here, it's just millions, but I wanted to bring that to light and emphasize that. So it says, um, in the process, one of his debtors was brought in who owed him millions of dollars. He couldn't pay. So his master ordered that he be sold along with his wife, his children, and everything he owned to pay the debt. But the man fell down before his master and begged him, please be, be patient with me. I'll, I'll pay it all. Then his master was filled with pity for him and he released him and forgave his debt. Now this is a massive debt. You know, like you have not because you ask not, right? <laughs> This, this millions and millions, he says, okay, you know what? You don't have to pay me. Wow. Verse 28, but the man left the king and he went to a fellow servant who owed him a few thousand dollars. Now in your text, or, or maybe in your translation, you'll see denarii. Now a talent is 15 years wage. Denarii is just about one year's wage. Um, so the, the, the amount of money that's owed to him is so much more less than what he owed himself. And let's see what happens. It says he went to a fellow servant who owed him a few thousand dollars. He grabbed him by the throat and demanded instant payment. His fellow servant fell down before him, begged for a little more time, be patient with me and I'll pay it. Does this sound familiar? He pleaded, but his creditor wouldn't wait. He had the man arrested and put in prison until the debt could be paid in full. When some of the other servants saw this, they were very upset. They went to the king and told him everything that had happened. And the king called in the man he had forgiven and said, you evil servant, I forgave you that tremendous debt because you pleaded with me. Shouldn't you have mercy on your fellow servant just if I have had mercy on you? Then the angry king sent the man to prison to be tortured until he could pay his entire debt. And then Jesus says this in verse 35, that's what my heavenly father will do to you if you refuse to forgive your brothers and sisters from your heart. It's a nice encouraging verse for you this morning. Do you think, do you think that the Lord values, is passionate about forgiveness? These are, these are strong strong words. And as Jesus is sharing this story in this parable, he's using exaggerated amounts of money to, to drive home this point. There is no room for unforgiveness in the kingdom of heaven. And I just wonder in our homes, in our families, in, in these dynamics, does some unforgiveness exist? 
And today, if it does, I, I want to address it. Okay, so let's pray and then we'll, we'll jump into this word. Father, we love you so much. Man, I'm, I'm so grateful to be here, so grateful to be in your house, to have an opportunity to preach, communicate your words, share on your truth, encourage, exhort your people. Father, I pray that as we listen to your word, um, as we sit under it today, that you would till the soil of our heart. Let it be fertile soil, prepared to receive the seed of your truth. Let it grow roots in our heart and grow to produce fruit in our lives. We don't want to just listen to your word. We want to apply it to our lives. So Holy Spirit, help us live this thing out. Help us to not just hear it, but help us to do it. And I pray this church would continue to foster kids in Jesus' name, amen. Growing up, uh, I always, always wished I had a brother. Three sisters, I had a stay-at-home mom. And the problem was, all three of my sisters, if you know them, they're absolutely gorgeous, okay? So, you know, when I got around my friends, especially as we got older, the jokes from my buddies were endless. It was torture for me growing up. Uh, the hot sister jokes, you know, whatever, they were just continual and not fun. So I took it upon myself, you know, having these sisters, having a bunch of guy friends, I, I got to put some rules in place. I, I got to set up some boundaries here because this is getting out of control. So this might sound crude, but I, I want you to keep in mind that this just means in interested. I, I made a rule for my two older sisters, and this was the rule. It's not a sexual term, I promise. If today that's what it means, that's not what I meant when I said it. But the rule for my two older sisters is if you can bag it, you can have it, okay? That was like the cool term back in the day. If you could pick up a girl, you bagged the girl, okay? So that was my rule. It's a mobile, hey, if you could bag it, you could have it, you know? And this rule was pretty safe because I knew most of my buddies weren't going to be able to get my older sister. They just weren't. They were out of their league, okay? So I said, man, if I set up that rule, I'm good. I'm safe. But then I my rule for my little sister, I had two older sisters, one younger sister. My rule for the younger sister was different. She had her own set of rules, and that was that she was just playing off limits. Okay. <laughs> my youngest sister, you know, we call her Peach. Uh, in many ways, she was the little brother that I never had, but always wanted. Her whole life, growing up through grade school, she was a tomboy. She was super athletic, and we just had an absolute last together. Like we were as close as they come, spent every day together. You know, I, I remember building forts and catching bugs and coming up with ways to avoid school when we were being homeschooled, you know, just absolute menaces. And so she's this, you know, we, we have a blast with then like seventh to eighth grade rolls around and all of a sudden she's starting to wear eyeliner. You know, it's like, what are you doing? You're supposed to be my little brother, you know? Uh, she starts wearing makeup and all the boys are starting to notice and all I can think is help me Holy Ghost because this is not good. We're two years apart, so <clears throat> when she, um, I'm a junior and she's a freshman and she basically looks like a supermodel at this point and I'm in lots of trouble. And long story short, she gets tied up with a kid who's in my grade. And um, like many of us at this age, you know, I know this dude and I know he's not making great decisions at the time. And I'm just not happy about what's going on in the relationship that's starting to develop. Okay. Any older brothers in the room with me? You're like, yeah, I've been there, bro. Okay. So I confront her. She denies everything. More conversations happen. 
rumors are getting around small town. I have friends who are coming to me sharing everything that's been going on. And I just remember for this spread of six months for the first time in our lives, it just felt like we weren't close like we used to be. And I can remember, you know, now obviously we've moved on from this, but as I was sitting down to write my message and, and I was thinking about families and I was thinking about forgiveness, I wanted to reflect on what's a time where I really struggled with forgiveness or felt that strong sense of unforgiveness. And I remember you know, as, as these lies are coming out and as this, we're going through this moment, she was just lying. And that wasn't the dynamic of our relationship. You know, I I felt betrayed and I felt hurt. And for the first time, like, I just didn't even really like her, you know? And I, I think we understand that in life, people will let us down and people will inevitably wound us, but oftentimes it's the people we love the most who wound us the most deeply. And when someone hurts us or betrays us or wounds us, it's like our flesh just rises up like a storm and in our hurt and in our offense and in the disrespect that we feel, we lash out either loudly or passively and it's like, all right, you wanna hurt me? All right, then I'll show you. All right, you want to disrespect me? You want to humiliate me? Some of y'all have been so wounded by people who were to love you most. And maybe even at this point in our lives, we're still lashing out. The mother who chose her own desires over you. The dad who was never tender with you. The spouse who ran off with the other significant other. The sibling who wasn't fair when it was time to share the inheritance. The friend who shared your secret and now the whole town knows. It's easy to hold that unforgiveness like it's a deadly weapon, right? Okay, you want to wound me? You want to hurt me? You, you, you want to betray me? I got something for you. You, you, you deserve what's coming. You're cut off. That's it. Yeah, yeah, I'll share what I know about you. Don't don't even try to talk to me. You think I'm going to let you see the kids now? You think I'd forgive you for this? You're wrong. Here's what I'd like to suggest, though. Unforgiveness is a deadly weapon, but not for your offender. I love our freedom curriculum. You know, we got a couple of groups going through it. I took this passage from there. I thought this is so good. It says, unforgiveness is like an arrow dipped in poison. The offense slashes through our defense and hurts us in the moment, but the aftermath of unforgiveness is like a poison that remains long after the event takes place. It seeps into our lives, tainting our thoughts and clouding our vision. If left unchecked, if forgiveness continues to remain in your spirit, It will penetrate our hearts and paralyze our ability to live, love, and to be loved. Here's the primary thought for the whole day. Kingdom families fight unforgiveness. We have to. There's no place for unforgiveness in the kingdom of heaven. So, you know, in the rest of our time together today, I want to do three things. I want to One, if you're taking notes, I want to clarify what forgiveness is not. Two, I want to bring to light, you know, what does the Bible share or consequences for those who won't forgive? And then three, I want to share practically, how do we forgive? Maybe you find yourself in a season where it's it's difficult. So really quick, let's talk about what forgiveness is not. 
This is not what forgiveness is. Oh, it's no big deal. Oh, no, 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 I'm fine. No, I'm fine. That didn't hurt. That didn't hurt. Forgiveness is not forgetting what happened. It's not ignoring what happened or not acknowledging what happened. You know, I, when I was a kid, I was in my kitchen. We had some guests over. I got some pepperoni out of the fridge. And there was like this little chunk of pepperoni left. And I was just hungry and wanted some pepperoni. So I'm probably in like kindergarten or something. <laughs> what are you laughing for? Why is that funny? <laughs> so I get the pepperoni. I get a steak knife. And I got to cut it. And instead of laying the, the pepperoni down on the table and cutting it like this, I held it and, and cut it. And as I'm trying to cut through the pepperoni as I'm holding it, the tip of the knife is cutting my hand. And, and so when I finally put the pepperoni down, I look at my hand and my hand's just sliced open and just bleeding everywhere. And I just start screaming bloody murder. And so, you know, so now there's a scar here from where I cut my hand, but it doesn't hurt anymore. It's not that I didn't cut my hand open. It's not, you know, it's definitely there, but it doesn't hurt anymore. Right? I acknowledge that it happened. It, it happened. There's, you know, there's a scar there. Here, here's the primary thought I want, I want to communicate about what forgiveness is not. Because I, I think this is where most of us get stuck. You know, the Greek word for forgive, it means to let go. To release. And, and I think it's important that we understand um, the definition of that word, let go is not reconciliation. I, I think it's important to, to address that reconciliation and forgiveness are not the same thing because if we think that forgiveness is equated with reconciliation, then we'll never be able to forgive if the other person doesn't do their job. And forgiveness is not about the deeds of the other person or the actions of the other person. Reconciliation is. For reconciliation to take place, that's a two-way street. But if I'm going to forgive, that only has to do with me, right? So I think it's important that we keep forgiveness in its own context and we don't have a distorted view of what forgiveness is actually supposed to look like. Now, uh, but I will say reconciliation is obviously always the goal. It, it, it's it, but it's, it's always what we want to see, but it's not required. Reconciliation isn't a prerequisite to forgiveness. So for reconciliation to take place, you want to look for three things. Repentance, leaving behind wrongful behaviors, that, that other party that we're forgiving, they're leaving behind those things. We want to look for restitution, a willingness and an effort to make those things right if possible. And then three, rebuilding trust, a consistency in new thoughts and in new actions. And if you see these things take place, that's when it's wise to pursue reconciliation. But to pursue reconciliation, you know, because we can say, forgive as many times as you want, forgive, forgive, forgive. And it's like, and this is the eighth time hubby's cheated on you, time to get out. That's not repentance. That, that's not a place for, rec now I can forgive, hey, love you, I'm gonna pray for you, but this isn't changing, okay? So let's discuss um, consequences. When, when, when we allow unforgiveness to stay put, what does that look like? Mark eleven twenty two 22 through 25, it says this. Then Jesus said to the disciples, 
have faith in God. I'll tell you the truth. You can say to this mountain, may you be lifted up and thrown into the sea and it will happen. But you must really believe it'll happen and, and have no doubt in your heart. Verse 24, I tell you, you can pray for anything. And if you believe that you've received it, it will be yours. Wow. Verse 25, but when you are praying, first forgive anyone you're holding a grudge against. Interesting. So that your father in heaven will forgive your sins too. I think we see this, this verse tells us two things. There's something related to the effectiveness of our prayers, the sensitivity of um, you know, our, our intimacy with the Holy Spirit. Very clearly, unforgiveness will affect those things. But it, 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 the other thing that we notice, though, more than one time in the scriptures, is we see that our willingness to forgive is there's something about the way we forgive others um, it, it is congruent with God's forgiveness towards us. And I think that's the point of the parable that Jesus is sharing. It's remember, remember how great a debt has been forgiven for you. You, you, cannot, you cannot expect to forgive. You, 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 you can't be so hypocritical to think that everything would be forgiven for you, but as kingdom followers, as citizens of heaven, we not express or give that same grace or that same forgiveness. Matthew 18, 34 through 35, it says, then the angry king sent the man to prison to be tortured until he had paid his entire debt. Verse 35, that's what my heavenly father will do to you if you refuse to forgive your brothers and your sisters from your heart, not just with your words, but from your heart. There's a call to forgiveness. The principle is clear. God has forgiven such a great debt that any debt owed to us is absolutely insignificant in comparison. Okay, I wanna read this again. I took this from a commentary. God has forgiven such a great debt that any debt owed to us is absolutely insignificant in comparison. So shame on you for holding unforgiveness when he forgave your millions and millions and millions, right? No man can possibly offend me to the extent that my sins have offended God. And that's what we need to solidify in our spirits this morning. I wanna read that again. No man can possibly offend me to the extent that my sins have offended God. This principle must be applied in the little things done to us, but also in the great things done to us. Spurgeon said it like this, we incur, we incur greater wrath by refusing to forgive than by all the rest of our indebtedness. Pastor Chris Hodges, he once asked this question. He said, in light of all the sin which I have been forgiven, can I release those who have wronged me? Would I trade my forgiveness from God for the right to hold someone accountable for their offenses towards me? Would you? Would you trade your own forgiveness so you could hold someone else accountable? Here's what we know. Proverbs 17, it says this. Love, everyone say love. That's the goal, right? That's the goal. Love prospers when a fault is forgiven, but dwelling on it separates close friends. Unforgiveness will fracture and divide our relationships, but if unforgiveness exists in our homes, it will fracture our homes. 
So maybe you find yourself, I've wrestled with this, I've struggled with this. Um, how do I forgive? What, is, what does it look like practically? Again, in our freedom content, there's a whole chapter on forgiveness, and, and it just provides some really great insight for what that looks like. I've been really impacted by that content. I know many other people have. And uh, from that, they laid out three practical ways that we can forgive. Really simple, really easy, and, and I think this will be helpful for all of us, especially if we find ourselves in a season where we've been struggling to lay some of that unforgiveness down. Number one is this. Recognize our own imperfection. If I'm going to forgive others, first thing I got to do is recognize my own imperfection. Romans 3.23, it says, we are, or 3.22, it says, we are made right with God by placing our faith in Jesus Christ. And this is true for everyone who believes, no matter who we are, praise God. For everyone has sinned, we all fall short of God's glorious standard. Okay, so guess what? That tells me you're gonna lie, you're gonna cheat, and you're gonna steal. We've all, we've all, <laughs> that encourage you? Good, yeah, okay. <laughs> Praise God you're not alone, amen? Come on. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> That's my dad, pray for me. <laughs> we've all fallen short, right? So, which means that we've had to lean into the forgiveness of God. We've had to take withdrawals of, his, withdrawals of his mercy because we need them. Yet God in his grace freely makes us right in his sight. He did this through Christ Jesus when he freed us from the penalty of our sins. Man, we can never get this thing right. Y'all are gonna go home and, and sin today. And guess what? He's gonna pay for it. And he's gonna give you mercy and he's gonna give you grace Yet because you only gave me 10 grand when we split mom and dad's stuff and you didn't give me 20, I'm never going to talk to you again and our kids aren't going to hang out anymore. Right? Come on, we we, we, we need a perspective shift here. What have we received? And we we need to give that same mercy that we've received ourselves. Amen? Two, recognize the real enemy. Okay, three quick things. Recognize our own imperfection. Two, recognize the real enemy. Ephesians 6 lays it out really simple. For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies. At the end of the day, it's really not between me and you. We're in a spiritual battle. We're in a spiritual war. And our goal is to win souls for the kingdom and see the kingdom of heaven impacted, right? So it says, for we're not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of an unseen world. Against mighty powers in this dark world and against evil spirits in heavenly places. You know, I, I think we have to be so careful that the battle, that the enemy doesn't deceive us into believing that it's really between you and me when there's something greater there, Right? 1 Peter 5, 8, it communicates the same thing. You know, stay alert. Watch out for your great enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Two, recognize the real enemy. Three, receive the love of God. Receive the love of God. 1 John 4 says this, but anyone who does not love does not know God, for God is love. Convicting. 
God showed how much he loved us by sending his one and only son into the world so that we might have eternal life through him. This is real love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his only son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. Dear friends, since God loved us that much, we surely ought to love each other. No one has ever seen God, but if we love each other, God lives in us and his love is brought to full expression in us. Unforgiveness will hinder that full expression of love from exuding from you and I. Amen. Brooklyn, you can come on the keys if you don't mind. So here's what I want to do. I want to, uh, I want to finish where we started. I, w- I want to run, briefly run back through this parable, and then we'll wrap this up for the day. Is that all right? Matthew 18, it says this. Then Peter came to him, coming to Jesus and asked, Lord, how often should I forgive someone who sins against me? Seven times? No, not seven, Jesus replied, but 70 times seven. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven can be compared to a king who decided to bring his accounts up to date with his servants who borrowed money from him. In the process, one of his debtors was brought in who owed him millions of dollars. He couldn't pay, so his master ordered that he be sold along with his wife, his children, and everything he owned to pay the debt. But the man fell down before his master and begged, please be patient with me and I'll pay it all. Then the master was filled with pity for him and he released him and forgave his debt. But when the man left the king, he went to a fellow servant who owed him a few thousand dollars. He grabbed him by the throat and demanded an instant payment. His fellow servant fell down before him and begged for a little more time. Be patient with me and I'll pay it. He pleaded, but his creditor wouldn't wait. He had the man arrested and put in prison until the debt could be paid in full. When some of the other servants saw this, they were upset. They went to the king and told him everything that had happened. The king called in the man he had forgiven and said, you evil servant, I forgave you that tremendous debt because you pleaded with me. Shouldn't you have mercy on your fellow servant just as I have had mercy on you? And then the angry king sent the man to prison to be tortured until he had paid his entire debt. And that's what my heavenly father will do to you if you refuse to forgive your brothers and sisters from your heart. Here's the thing, it's not a complicated message. It's really simple. But if we're not careful, or maybe even some of us in this season, I I love how Jesus exaggerates the story, but there's so much truth in the exaggeration is is the debt that we've been forgiven is so great, it's so wide, it's it's so, you know, there's it's it's so massive. Yet here we are, maybe holding unforgiveness for something that in the long run is really meaningless right the point of the parable is don't be the foolish servant right again Proverbs 17 9 love prospers when a fault is forgiven but dwelling on it separates close friends you know I hope as you guys leave today as you go on with the rest of your week search your heart transparent with yourself authentic with yourself to say you know is there there something or someone that I need to forgive and I hope that you would act on it thank you so much for joining us special thanks to those of you who give to this ministry it's because of you that this ministry is possible you can check out the link in the description to give or visit destinychurch.me slash give don't forget
to subscribe and share with your friends. We love you and have a blessed week.